0: Offer for John of the Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller score for snow. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory now in the pottery.
1: And you see another thing about Benghazi that people don't realize is Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh Welcome to episode 20 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowlershaw. I'm joined by Chris Brammer. <laughs> Good evening. And Ben Cartwright.
0: Good evening. Good evening. Are we all well? Fabulous. Yeah,
2: really well, thank you. Really well.
1: Excellent. So, uh, just to keep you in the loop, we're recording this on a Friday night as a preview to a Monday night game. And we're just gonna go straight in and ask Ben and Chris, "What is your favourite Stoke v Swansea game ever?"
2: <laughs>
1: Chris, I know you were struggling for an answer, yeah. so we'll uh, start with Ben.
0: Okay. Um,
2: oh, oh Ben, if you if you take the one that I'm thinking of now.
0: Oh goodness, I really hope I don't. Okay. But in some in some aspects, <laughs> I I kind of do hope that. Um, my game is a draw. I don't know if your game was a draw. <laughs> and it was the 3-3 three, three thriller on the 10th of November in 2013. Um, I was at University in Exeter at the time, so this was one that I watched on television, along with most of the favourite games I'm probably going to ever bring up. But um, yeah, this one was an exciting game because I watched it with um, my girlfriend, actually, and she is a a Swansea, quote, fan. Um, not really a fan, now kind of converted to a Stoke fan, but at that time she'd just got a new Swansea shirt for some reason and we watched the game (laughs) together and I was very confident at the time. Um, We'd actually been on a a seven-game winless streak, so that sounds quite familiar Um, and I I remember having a a very strange sense of confidence that this would be the game to to end that awful, awful run, and it kind of was a three-three a draw. You can't really complain. Um, but yeah, the scorers as well, I think, were quite interesting. We have the the classics, got Waters and Adam, but also a guy that has um, suffered in recent months, Stephen Island. A lot of people will be talking about other players coming back from from injury, but obviously Stephen Island is also suffering at the moment. And I mean, he might not be the player that he was, but he, he was a fantastic player for us. When he was when he was at his best, so this 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 sort of picking out this game as my favourite is an ode to Steven Island, and also we got the draw with a last minute penalty, which you, you can never complain about.
2: It's an it's an absolutely uh, the, the Steven Island goal is actually yeah. incredible mm, as well. It's mm. like one of our I don't know if it won goal of the season, but it was an absolutely fantastic yeah. goal. Yeah,
1: it was just a one touch passing move all the way up the pitch. Yeah. And it was, couldn't quite believe what you were seeing. Um, uh, for my answer I've got another game with a controversial penalty decision Uh, (laughs) it was uh, Stoke 2 Swansea 1 from uh, 2014 Uh, Swansea took the lead through a Wilfred Boney penalty Uh, we equalise after Victor Moses let's just say went down easily (laughs) Uh, Charlie Adam equalised from the spot and then John Walters uh, headed home and Acaidi cross in the second half Uh, The the reason I like this game is not only did we win, but we managed to royally uh, annoy Gary Monk. Um, (laughs) He was fuming about, uh, shall we say, the softness of our penalty. And I've just uh, dug up this tweet from uh, Spirit of Mirko on Twitter. A Monk getting angry with Moses. Controversy of biblical proportions at Stoke today. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
2: I like that one. Was that that was that the game where it was the the bony penalty was for grabbing in the box? Oh, yes, it, yeah. yeah, and it, and, it yeah. and then it was never they didn't give another penalty for that all season. Yeah, that was literally one they, they,
1: they didn't give another penalty that to that until uh, two years later when they decided to clamp down on it, but only <laughs> yeah, for Ryan Shawcross it. again. <laughs> yeah, I still I still yeah, dislike
0: yeah. Ashley Williams for that for that sort of failing dive that he did. It was Ashley Williams, I'm remembering that right. That was taken down. Oh yeah thank by you Ryan love, Shawcross. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. The sort of biggest bloke in the Swansea team by Miles getting taken down because of a shirt pull in the box is just laughable. But I wasn't laughing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh well hey. well yeah mine was mine was gonna be the three <laughs> three. Uh so so I've quickly switched to another time where we annoyed Gary Monk Uh, and that comes from last season where we managed to win 1-0 away at Swansea. Uh, We won after a fourth minute penalty from Bojan but um, it's memorable to me because this was one of the matches where um, Hoselu actually played from the start and he had a really, really good game. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at the BBC Match Report now. He was their man of the match. Um, but yeah, I, obviously this is a, a quick one. Like I had to find this one very quickly. But no, it was, it's it's uh, really funny because Gary Monk said, you know, we, we found it difficult to break them down. I think we deserved
1: a point. <laughs>
2: nah, but yeah. you didn't
1: get one, did you, Gary? <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember that, that was a Monday Night Football as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Yes, it was. I remember watching it. Because,
2: uh, like, why would you like I know that they, they the Premier League set matches in advance and all this t- and it gets moved for TV why would you want you're not going to get a good away following on a Monday night down South Wales are you like It annoys me that the Premier League do this because it's going to be the same on Monday. There's going to be barely any Swansea fans and there'll be no doubt someone commenting saying, oh, rubbish rubbish support from Swansea fans. No, it's a Monday night. (laughs) They're not going to travel several hours from Wales like after work, get back in the early hours of the morning just to come watch their team possibly lose the Stoke. Oh, no. Right, you've said it now. So uh, that's uh, that's our cue to start... Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, that's our cue to start talking about the game on Monday then. Um, we're all quite happy at the moment, and it's a bit unnerving. <laughs> uh, but uh, you'll hear my chat with uh, the Jack Cast podcast in the second half. He's very down on Swansea at the moment. So the deck's stacked in our favour at the moment. Oh. Why did you say that? We're all
0: saying things that are going to make us lose on Monday.
1: Yeah. Well, w- w- I-, I can't sit here and say, "Well, Swansea are clear <laughs> yeah, favourites. <really>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I,
2: it, it's Monday night football, so it's guaranteed to be a very, very dull match for a start. It, yeah. Um. I, I. I. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Swansea fans um be frustrated with how things have gone so far um i don't know i think the performance last week um it was last week against arsenal wasn't it that they uh, well, well whatever bob Bradley's first game in charge um i thought they played well they, they played a lot better there was a lot more fighting spirit from them um which worries you because um you know, t- any team with a bit more inspiration behind them they're always likely to come out with a bit of fight um I don't know, it's gonna, It's one of those matches where, despite the fact that I think Stoke are favourites going into this, it's, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a clear-cut game. Um, I'm just looking again on BBC's prediction now. It's a probability of a home win is 42%, the draw, 29%, and an away win, 29%. Now, h- how have they worked that out? No, Mass. Not, not, not that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, but but but, but here's what no no no. But here's what I like. Here's what I like. So probability of a home win forty two percent. Their predicted score one <laughs> one. Oh.
1: <laughs> that's also <laughs> Which, maths.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be an interesting lineup from us because we don't know if Jeff Cameron will play. Phil Bardsley, I don't think, will be in the squad, and probably rightly so. There's no need for him to rush back uh, after losing his grandad in such a horrific way. Um but it does beg the question if we don't have him, we don't have Glenn Johnson and we don't have uh Jeff Cameron who's going to play at right back? Um it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I think this game is actually really important. I I think I might have said it on the last podcast, but the fact that we've played Hull and Sunderland and and they did come the matches did come at a very important stage for us because obviously we, we were playing so badly. We needed teams such as Sunderland and Hulls to come up against so we could actually do a job against them. And now we come coming up against the Swansea side that maybe they are feeling a bit disappointed about how their team is playing at the moment, but they, they're doing a lot better than they have been doing, as you say, Chris. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that we're meeting a team that, is sort of in the middle. It's not like they're flying and they're definitely not. I wouldn't say they're playing awfully. Um, I think that this game is going to be really vital um, for our season as a whole. If we're going to challenge again um, for top half football, maybe challenge again for Europe. I don't want to say that too early on. But these sorts of games where we're playing teams where they're at a sort of similar level to us, I would say. Um, We really need to win these games.
1: Well, it's yeah. in- interesting to hear, uh, hear you say that they're a similar level to us. Uh, I think Swansea are in that group of five or six teams that will likely be going down this season. I mean, for me, Hull and Sunderland, who have just played, are by far the worst two teams in the league. And then I think you've got a group of Swansea, Burnley, Middlesbrough, um, maybe West Brom at a push, depends on how they do, probably not. But I, th- I think our sights are definitely way above that group. And But in order to demonstrate that, of course, we've got to beat these teams. So I, I take your point. It is quite a big game for us in terms of establishing where we want to be. Because if we, God forbid, lost this game, then it goes r- almost right back to where we were after Palace, where we're getting beaten by teams who aren't really that good Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) yeah which to be fair was kind of our problem last season we did really well against what you'd call some of the bigger teams but then we would kind of blow it on stupid matches against the likes of Watford at home and that type of thing I I think from, from an outsider's point of view I think Swansea well, a few years ago, they had they they obviously had their the league cup win and they went in Europe and had a run in Europe, uh, playing Valencia of all teams. Um, and I don't know, it felt like then they they had the momentum at least to go on and and become something something that maybe we're aiming to be now. Now, I I'm, I'm no expert on Swansea. It seems like since they got rid of Michael Laudrup that I don't know things have just seemed to descend into <laughs> into Chaos Now, Gary Monk, for a while, managed to suspend that a little bit, but I I have no idea what's happening with them at this moment in time. And whilst I think you're right, David, they are a club that has potential to go down, I do agree that I think, on paper at least, they're a club that probably should be at least challenging to be around the same place where we want to be. Um, (laughs) this. I don't think they're the, they're the worst team in the league. I just think they've been extremely mismanaged in the last few seasons. Um, and which is kind of a shame because, yeah, when they came up, they were the darlings of match of the day. <laughs> they were playing possession football under Brendan Rodgers. And they were... <laughs> yeah, they were they were absolutely on storm. They, they kind of became everyone's... Well, not, not everyone's, but people's second team, the team that they all wanted to win. It, it's gone horribly wrong for them in the last few seasons. I say horribly wrong. They're still in the division. They're still hanging around. It's just not been maybe as inspirational for them as those first few seasons were. I agree that this is a match we have to win. We have to win it in order to not get sucked back down and be back where we were 3 games ago where we not picked up a victory. Um but I don't think that Swansea are, are there for the taking it's going to be tough we're going to need to play a lot better than we have done in the last few games just in order to to compete with them because i do think Swansea will come out and have a bit between the teeth and want to get something i think bob bradley will have got them fired up he'll be looking at those performances of the last few games and be like look we've got something to build on we can beat these it's going to be a tough game um here's hoping
1: eh? (laughs) Yeah, and they've got good players as well. Uh, maybe not as good a players as they had in the past. Well, yeah. when Joe Allen yeah. was there, obviously. Right. But um, <laughs> they've got Sigurdsson, who is a fantastic striker of a dead ball. He he can really orchestrate play when he plays well. And I think the two lads they got up front, Lorente and uh, Boya Baston, mm. they've got they've got proper quality. Um, yeah. Definitely, may, they've maybe not. Maybe not hit the ground running just yet, but I think someone like Lorente was talks about maybe a couple of seasons ago as being one of the most kind of yeah. I- exciting strikers yeah. in Europe. I, He's former Spain I rem-
2: international. He is. I, rem- I remember a few seasons ago <laughs> mocking some Stoke fans for thinking that they could get him from Juve for ten mil, like like that was their suggestion and we need to get a striker in let's go get him from Juventus uh for 10 million pounds and I was oh, that's ridiculous we'd never get him for 10 million pounds he's far too good now he's at Swansea it's I mean I don't know if that's a sign of the money that's in the Premier League now or a sign of how far he's fallen down a pecking order or what but he has got
0: quality I think I think um, the same it's the same for Borja Basson one of my very close friends is a very passionate Atletico Madrid fan and I know that when he, when Borja Basson came to Swansea, he was well very surprised that Atleti were happy to let him go. And yeah. th- my mate was going to get his name on the back of his shirt. He was sort of that highly regarded. So <laughs> I think Borja Basson, as you said, he's, he's a, someone that we need to be wary of. He's It's the classic game for any player coming up against Stoke to sort of, kickstart their careers at their clubs and this could be the game for him not that I want that to happen uh, and well, obviously, <laughs> God, no. obviously another striker that wants to kickstart their careers is Bonnie and everyone's saying that it's going to be his time to score against his former club and um, everyone's making that prediction which of course means that he'll probably not even make the squad and Peter Crouch will start up front so I'll be very excited <laughs> to see what Mark Hughes does about our strike force OK so
1: I get the sense that uh, you're very wary of Swansea. We just want this game to almost be out the way, almost. Uh, but we've got to wait till Monday night. Uh, thank you, Sky. Um, <laughs> some positive Stoke news uh, recently. Ibrahim Afellay is returning to light training. He's uh, nearing the end of what has been a horrible long absence with injury. Obviously, I think we're all happy with this news. But my my question is, where does he come back
0: I think this is the issue to? this is the issue with a lot of Stoke central midfielders over the last couple of years that we've got a, a wide number of centre midfielders without really knowing where they can actually play in central midfield which is just ludicrous um, you've got Allen and no one really sort of properly knows where he should play obviously um, Athali is coming back and well I, I don't know where he'd, where he'd fit back into the side and then you got players like van hinkle as well he never found a place in the side um so maybe we should go get paul pogba and see if we can fit him into our central midfield i don't know <laughs> um but yeah i think well i agree with a lot of people afili was was fantastic for us when he played like a complete surprise um and it is to coin a cliche it's going to be like getting another signing if he can if he can fit back into the team but i'm I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know where he's gonna fit back into it. I don't know if Chris you can answer the question better than I have.
2: I uh, I without without stoking the uh the Afili Twitter wars, um, which have been ongoing for the last twenty four hours, <laughs> um d I, I don't know where he fits because I've seen suggestions that it's a case of you drop Glenn Whelan, Alan goes into the Whelan role, uh you have either Jeff Cameron or Imbula playing and then you play Afolai behind the striker um, again like I, d- I don't I, I really really don't know I like Afolai as a player I think that he he did do a lot of good last season before he was injured um, but where do you put him you can't I don't feel it would be right to put it to move Joe Allen as he is now from where he's playing because he's playing so well Um maybe you do you replace Jeff Cameron with him I I I honestly I honestly don't know I think it's a a case of we see who gets injured next and then slots <laughs> in where they
0: go I think what we have to remember as well is that Athali is getting on a bit and and even yes. even for a player that is sort of getting into the prime of their career coming back from an injury like that isn't just about sort of sorting yourself out physically there's also going to be an element of of sort of a loss of mentality maybe or there could be um, potentially an impact on his sort of the mental side of his game so I, I don't think that we should yeah. expect anything from Affiliate but it would be uh, yeah. it would be amazing uh, if he could sort of but,
1: particularly back. as there's a still a long way to go in his treatment yeah uh, the reports are that he's in the final stages but that final stage still takes a while before yeah. y- you can play football at uh, the top level
0: it takes longer Uh, if you're at Stoke so apparently oh yeah
1: Jack Butland's still just a week away from playing for us I'm (laughs) sure of it Um, Glenn Johnson uh, meanwhile uh, another player with his own injury history uh, could be about to sign a new contract for us I read in the Sentinel Uh, I believe we might have fended off Barcelona (laughs) for his
0: signatures we're just trying to pump the price up maybe get it up get it to 10 mil
1: Maybe we're using him as a bargainer chip for a Danny Alves deal or something. Like
2: that. <laughs> I don't think Danny Alves plays for them anymore. Oh, I,
1: I, I thought that as soon as I said I, it. I, 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 I hope, yeah. yeah. I hope no one would call me up on it. Anyway,
2: <laughs> sorry, I was like, sorry. "Is he is he on yeah. loan
0: elsewhere?" Because I thought he sold him. No, okay. No, yeah, that's fine. <laughs>
2: no, I, it's. I think. I think it's a good thing that he's. Uh, sign potentially going to sign a new deal i still think that we should be looking for a younger right back at least to come in and play when Glenn johnson is inevitably injured again um and just because glen johnson is, is getting on and this will sh- you'd think this would potentially be maybe his last contract or at least his last contract with us um it, it, he's been great he's been a great signing we look a much better team when he plays um But again, he's a player who isn't getting any younger. We should be looking at replacing him at some point, but he's done absolutely nothing wrong. He deserves a new contract and good. Yeah, bring it. Fend off Barcelona. We don't want you to go there. You're staying with us,
1: mate. Excellent. And speaking of new contracts, uh, news today of a new contract at the Hawthorns. Tony Pulis has signed an extension. To the yes. unanimous delight of their fans. <laughs> uh, yeah. do, do, do we feel sorry for them? I mean, I, I, I don't think that we do, really, because he will keep them up and yeah. he will give them some good results and stuff. But just the thought of being... be West Brom fans, there's a certain kind of West Brom fan who is... Obsessed with playing nice football, and so waking up to that news, it must have been a real kick in the teeth for them. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll we'll gloat for a bit while yeah. we're while we're winning games, anyway.
0: I just I I just think without that with that squad and without Tony Pulis, then we'd be talking about West Brom in the same sentence as as Sunderland and Hull. So they should be they should be happy. But I'm saying that from from a Stoke City perspective, where we've got a fantastic squad and um, an interesting manager so yeah
1: yep excellent and just in more Stoke related contract news uh, did you see the story about Jermaine Pennant
0: yeah that was really strange
1: he's, he's set to leave Singapore's tam, Tampines, tampines uh, Rovers after turning down wait sorry there's a there's a there's a club in Singapore called Rovers that's amazing to me But <laughs> <Well>, he's <laughs> Uh, he turned down a reduced offer on his super scale salary. Uh, club chairman uh, Krishna, I'm not pronouncing that surname, said it would create a social injustice to carry on paying Pennant 33. He has reported £23,495 pound a month salary. <laughs> that doesn't sound like that much for football, really. 23 pounds a month. No, but I
2: imagine it. I
0: don't think it's... probably Singapore. Probably for the Singapore. The TV deal hasn't quite gone through yet for the Singapore <laughs> football <laughs> league, whatever that league might be called.
1: Yeah. Well, when it does, there'll be singer rich. Well, oh, that was
0: quite. That you. was quite Singapore.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think. Uh, what have I we think... become?
1: Go on. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think that's an in- <laughs> indication that we're going to have to leave it there for the first half. Uh, after the break, I'll be joined by the JackCast podcast. Thank you very much.
0: Hi, I'm Ben, um, I'm a massive Stoke fan, Yeah. so quickly I just wanted to ask how was meeting the Stoke Soak, Soak team, obviously you had a, you had a go at kicking the ball with the lads.
2: Yeah, crossing the ball into Crouch, he was quite a
0: highlight of my career so far, uh, obviously not a footballer myself, so he was pretty disappointed by the crosses, but he was in- impressed by the canoeing, so that was always quite nice. Didn't Mark Hughes come over and say uh, they wouldn't be able to canoe, so don't worry about it afterwards? Yeah, he told me that not
2: to worry, they can't canoe, so uh, stick to what you're good at and probably uh, best to retire from
0: football now. All right, cheers, Joe. Hopefully a few good performances from Stoke coming up.
2: Well, I will see him on the up, so let's keep it on. Up the potters, eh? Cheers, the potters. Thanks, cheers,
1: Joe. I'm joined by Stephen Carroll from the Jackcast Swansea City podcast. Stephen, how are you feeling ahead of Monday night's game? Um
3: not too confident uh, if I'm honest it's not been a great period for Swansea at the moment obviously only one win this season and that was on the opening day and in the eight games since then we've only picked up two points although admittedly we have had quite tough fixtures on the whole in that run but um, you know, we're not playing particularly well to be honest with you although last Saturday's game with Watford was an improvement but um, Stoke isn't really a happy hunting ground for Swansea either so yeah I'm, I'm not too confident uh, to be honest
1: you have got a new manager, um, and it doesn't appear to uh, me as if you've had that new manager
3: bounce just yet, but
1: are there signs of improvement under Bradley? Do you think Do you think he's a good appointment?
3: Um, I personally wouldn't have appointed him. Um, we needed somebody with experience, I think, ideally, because we're not in a particularly good position. But the real problem at Swansea at the moment is the players. I mean... We were all unhappy in the summer about the lack of signings and then the ones that did come in, a lot of them, um, the fans didn't think were of the required standard. And essentially, whoever the manager is, he's still got to work with those players. So I think that is the real issue at the moment. And it doesn't really matter who's in charge. I mean, they, they've still got to work with those players, at least until January. And you know we're down the bottom for a reason, because we're, you know we're not very good if you look at the squad. I'm sure a lot of um, Stoke fans will probably have looked in the summer and seen Ashley Williams has left. So has Andre Ayew, two of our um, probably standout players from last season. And I know a couple of strikers have come in. But in general, you're looking at Swansea now, you think they're probably not as strong as they have been previously at this level. And I think that's, that's the real issue. I mean, from Bob Bradley's point of view, I think I'm happy to give him a chance because I mean, you've got to give everyone an opportunity. I mean, he's in the job now. Um, you can't really judge him off the back of a couple of weeks. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. But um, I personally, like I said, wouldn't have appointed him. But, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the way it is at, at the moment. But, um, the decisions are being made, I think, by the newer shareholders as opposed to the older regime. And um, it's something that um, the fans are going to have to get used to. Uh,
1: why is that uh, the case then? Uh, what, what's happened at Swansea that's meant you've had to kind of so, sell your better players. We've had this to a little extent with se- selling the likes of Begovic and Zonzi, but uh, Swansea seems to be almost a completely different team to one we played three or four years ago in the Premier League. Is, is it just successive managers just not having the resources to keep hold of these players?
3: Um, I think wages ha- have risen a fair amount. Um, so I think that's one of the problems. I think we probably weren't Managing ourselves as well as we have done previously. Mid um, last season, we had to sack Gary Monk and then hire a new manager. That would have cost us a bit. And apparently, we have made a loss for last season, although the accounts haven't been released as yet. Um, so I think that's something. But at the same time, I mean, 90 million has come in or will come in over the course of the season. And our net spend in the summer was, well, basically, we made a profit of over 10 million. So people are scratching their heads a little bit and thinking, well, you know, I'm not saying we' were expecting us to spend a lot of money but you know we we've, we've made a profit yeah. and that should really be happening I mean that's quite frustrating really because we a lot of fans myself included felt last season that we got away with it a bit we didn't play particularly well in a lot of games but we did end up um surviving partly because I think there were a few worse teams than us as opposed to us pulling clear and being noticeably better but we needed to bring in about five or six in the summer and three or four of them needed to be players that were better than what we've got in terms of signing people who were better than what we've got. I'm not convinced we've really done that. I think up front with the likes of Boyer, Baston, and Fernando Llorente, I think they're improvements. But at the same time, we didn't sign a winger and a lot of our wingers are inconsistent or just not good enough anymore. And they're not getting the service and that's why they between them. They've only scored a couple of goals. So there's a lot of problems I think really at And it's going to be um, a good season for us.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the two Spanish strikers. There are they the guys to be concerned about from Stoke' point of view? Then are there any other players you think they've got a bit of quality and potentially uh, be the difference for us?
3: I think the strikers are. You will have to keep them quiet if they do get chances. Because I mean, if you look at the Rente, for example, he's six foot five. I mean, he's a big guy. If he does get opportunities in the air, you would think he'd be, you know, pretty useful. Although he hasn't had that many chances to be honest, you, as I said, because the, the wide men have not supplied him. Then in some games we've played with more of a diamond formation, although I don't think we're going to do that now that Bob Bradley's come in. Um, then Baston scored 18 goals for Ibar in La Liga last season. So obviously he's a finisher. He hasn't played a great deal because he's been injured. So he's only had a couple of starts Did come off the bench at Arsenal and scored... Um, with a nice finish, so I think everyone's got high hopes for Baston, but he was coming quite deep in the game against Watford at the weekend, and I was frustrated from my point of view because I you know, just want to see him stay forward and because he's not going to score from inside his own half, obviously. So I think that those two, if they get opportunities, then yes, you would have to keep them quiet, but I think the the main two threats, I would say, would probably be Gilfie Sigurdsson, who got into double figures last season. Obviously, I think one of his goals was at the Britannia as well, um, he's he's just always good on the ball. He's looking to create for his teammates. Good with a set piece. Long range shooting's good. So it's it, that he's the main one. And then Mo Baru was the other one, Mark, a wide man who can be a bit hot and cold. But when he's hot, he can be pretty special. I mean, he had a brilliant game at the Emirates a couple of weeks ago when we lost 3-2. Um, he gave Monreal the run around and then Xhaka obviously got sent off because he decided to completely take him out. Um, so I think if he's on form... He, there could be a problem for Stoke because Barrow does have that bit of unpredictability about him, but he's, he's not consistent enough. That's the one issue with him. He, he needs to work on that. If he does, then he'll be um, a really good player. But at the moment he's a bit hot and cold.
1: Yeah. The kind of, uh, philosophy, if that's not too grandiose a term that Swansea had when they first came up, the famous, uh, passing style of football, always passing out from the back, uh, is that still there? I mean, I know you've kind of gone through a few managers since uh, you first came up, but it, do do you see that kind of style of play in the current Swansea team, or is that kind of given way to more uh, more of a direct uh, approach?
3: I think it's become a little bit more direct, to be honest. It certainly was in the in Bradley's first home game against Watford. I mean, we were getting it forward a little bit quicker. Um, but again, like I say, he hasn't been in the job for very long. Under Guedlin, we, we didn't really seem to have much of an identity. He, tr- he tried a few formations and whatever else, and it, it didn't really work. i um, have moved away, I think, from the traditional way that Swansea have played since we've been in the Premier League. And it's been a bit frustrating, to be honest, too, because I think that is the main problem as to why we've struggled. I mean, if you look when Brendan Rodgers, obviously he was one of the, the main people who um, got us playing great football. Under Laudra, to an extent, it was similar at the start of Monk's reign, we were doing it, but then he tried to give us a plan B, which is never a bad thing, really. But for whatever reason, last year, I think he seemed to have lost the dressing room, which was all a, a bit bizarre, really. And then, unfortunately, we had to sack him. And then we sort of moved away from it again. Now, um, like I say, with, um, with Gweedlin and now Bradley, it seems like. But um, unfortunately, that's the way it is. And um, we have to
1: get used okay. to it. Uh, OK. Looking at the game on Monday night, then, uh, which Stoke players... Uh,
3: concern you from a Swansea point of view there's quite a few to be fair I mean I look at the Stoke team and I think well I'd like to see Swansea show the kind of ambition that Stoke have in the transfer market I mean up until a couple of years ago I probably would have said that if you were going to do a combined Stoke and Swansea 11 you'd probably say it'd be quite close and half and half whereas now I really don't think it would be like that at all I think Gilfie Sigurdsson would probably get in it but many other Swansea players get in it and I'm really not convinced And that sort of shows you how the two teams have gone in different directions over the last year or two. Um, Inevitably, I fear Wilfred Boney, I know what he's capable of, and I know obviously he hasn't scored yet, but if anything, that makes me even more concerned with this horrible unwritten rule of players scoring against former teams. And Boney has already uh, scored against us twice for Man City, and obviously he wasn't especially prolific there either. So he's already got in his locker against us. Um, Joe Allen, another player, I think a lot of our fan base were pretty annoyed at the fact that we didn't sign Joe Allen, because the, from the noises I heard, Joe Allen was actually very keen to come to us, but we decided to be too tight in the transfer market and wouldn't match the money that Stoke were willing to pay, and he didn't have a decision to make then. and obviously it was a no-brainer for him, um, and I think he's done really well from what I've seen so far, um, and obviously he's added goals to his game as well, which he's like the complete midfielder now, probably, if he's um, and to his game. Um, and then you're looking at Arnautovic, I went to Austria to watch Wales the other weekend. and he had a particularly good game and got both goals for them. Um, Shakiri again, is a good player. We, we've just, there's a lot of good players there. Uh, I think we have we have got our hands full, especially now that you have had a couple of wins as well. So confidence um, will be back up. And, um, yeah, it's going to be um, a difficult night, I think, on Monday. Uh,
1: two players you mentioned there, Joe Allen and Wilfred Boney, uh, both ex-Swansea, of course. What do you reckon the uh, reception will be for those two players from the travelling Swansea
3: fans? Um, I think it'll be fine to be honest with you, because I think a lot of the fans recognise that, especially with Joe Allen, I mean, we, we wanted him to come back, but if we don't put the bid in, I mean what there's nothing he can do with such and I think the fans do respect him. They was happy, you know, if, if if Liverpool come calling for you, especially when at that stage we've only been in the Premier League for a year, I think everyone was quite understanding of it and fifteen million three or four years ago was a lot of money as well, because obviously the new T V deal has gone up twice since then. Um Similar with Boney, really. I mean, I think um, everyone, the fans should be fine with them, although I don't think many fans are going up. So if uh, there are any pools it won't be <laughs> particularly loud anyway, because like I say, um, I think a lot of our fans have thought, right, Monday trip, that's um, got three, four hours in the car and it's on TV. I think uh, I'll pass, and that's what I do when I'm <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't, I don't
1: particularly think there'll be uh, many Stoke fans going to Swansea on a Monday night as well, so I uh, think
3: it was the same last year wasn't it yeah you on a Monday and you didn't bring many down and for the same reason I didn't blame anybody yeah uh,
1: finally before you go uh, can I ask you for a prediction not just for this game but where you think the two clubs will finish in the table
3: okay um, I think prediction I'd probably say 2-0 to Stoke but when you look at at least one of them because that's <laughs> the way football is yeah um, Prediction, um, Stoke will probably finish about 10th. Although I thought it could have been higher at the start of the season, but obviously didn't start particularly well. But there's nothing for your club to worry about. I don't think I think you're going to be in the middle again. Possibly have a go at the FA Cup or something like that. Swansea, I think we're in a real battle with Sunderland, Hull, Burnley and Middlesbrough. I think that's going to be the bottom five. I suppose I'm going to have to be positive and say we're going to be okay. 17th.
1: That's it for episode 20. Many thanks to Chris, Ben, Stephen from the Gas Podcast and Olympic gold medalist Joe Clark. If you want to get in touch, it's at Wizards of Drivel on Twitter or you can email us wizardsofdribblepodcast at gmail.com. We'll be releasing a show next week after the Swansea game, probably Tuesday evening, so look out for that. And we'll hopefully have a preview of the West Ham game Midweek as well. Go on, Stoke.